I think maybe I got it right. We're going to keep talking about holiness today and digging into the word of the Lord and, and finding out what it, what it entails. And, and uh, we've, we've talked about holiness um, quite a bit. Obviously, this is lesson 16 that, I've, that we've been teaching. And uh, we uh, don't always stay on my notes. We stay on topic, but not necessarily on the notes. Um, but we're going to start with 1 Peter chapter 1. And ironically, I didn't actually think about this this morning, but I'm going to be preaching from 1 Peter chapter 1 in a little while. But 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses 15 and 16 is where we're going to read. <clears throat> All right. First Peter chapter 1 verse 15 says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And this is why. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. So the simple reason that we need to be holy is because God is holy. And we want to be like him. Um, to be a Christian is to be Christ-like, right? And in order to be, like, to be Christ-like, we have to be like him. And so we want to make sure that we're living a life that reflects who he is. And uh, that means not just in how we dress, but in how we, we talk, what we think about, the places we go, um, our lifestyle in general, um, our characteristics and such um, ought to be driven from him and his spirit. And so uh, we've talked about in weeks gone by, I'll just recap very quickly, but there is another passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter number 12. It talks about how that uh, without, without uh, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, in that passage of scripture, the scripture is telling us that we have to have holiness if we want to see, if we want to see Jesus. And then if you go back to John chapter number three, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then also he said, in a couple of verses later, he said, if a, if a man, uh, he said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, that he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so the bottom line is, there's a few things that we know have to be in our life in order for us to see Jesus and to make heaven our home. And first, first and foremost, we need to be born of the water and of the spirit. Number one, we got to be born into the family in order to go home and live with the family. And secondly, we got to act like the family, and that's where holiness comes in. That's where uh, we we want to delve. So let, let me just say it this way. We have one book out of the entire New Testament that teaches us how to be saved. The rest of the book is written, the rest of the New Testament from from Romans on through Revelations, is written to teach us how to stay saved. So what it tells me is how to be saved is fairly straightforward. 
but how to stay saved, we need some direction. We need some help. We need some guidance. And so we have all of that in the Word of God. Amen. So we're going to delve into that and continue finding out what that looks like. Good morning. Just trying to sneak in. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I'll get off track just for you. Uh, anyhow, so today what I want to do is I want to pick up and talk about this portion of holiness, and that is the essentiality of separation from the world. There should be a difference between people who are in the church and filled with the Holy Ghost and those that are out in the world living an unrighteous life. There should be a difference. You walk into McDonald's, you're going to be able to tell who works at McDonald's and who doesn't work at McDonald's. Why? They have uniforms. If you need help, you need a fireman to help you. You need a policeman to help you. How do you know exactly that who to find? 911. But it but if they're there on the street and you their uniforms, they have a uniform. Huh? That's right. Why are they driving a, a police car so that people will know who to go to? Yeah, for sure, especially if you're a volunteer. Um, the whole point in all that is you have to have, we know we can go to a policeman. We know how to find a policeman because he's got the uniform on. We know that the firemen have showed up because they have the uniform on. You go to um, McDonald's, you go to uh, Arby's, you go to any, I mean, you can go down to the, the smallest um, fast food chain out there, and every one of them, you're going to know who the workers are because they have a uniform on and just like that we as the church we should have some assemblance of a uniform and that's called holiness and our lifestyle ought to be able to testify that hey God's changed me and God is making me into a vessel that he can use and I'm not the same as everybody else that doesn't mean you're better than everybody else because without his help you couldn't do anything that you do. Um, and so it is essential that we are separate from the world. Um, that's why I, I use First Peter today. First Peter 15, 1 and 15 and 16 says, But as he, he which hath called you is holy. So who's called us? God called us. And he is holy. So be you holy in all manner of conversation. And here in just a minute, we're going to read another passage of Scripture that says, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. It's important that we understand these things. The only way to restore the original communion that man had with God in the garden is to be separated from sin. The reason God could talk and commune with Adam and Eve in the garden is because there was no sin in, involved. God, his spirit does not dwell 
where sin is. It can't. Because when God shows up, sin has to go. But the difference with us is we can invite God into our lives. And God will help you clean out the sin. But if you don't get rid of the sin, eventually you're going to end up walking away from God. And back into the sin. It's important that you feed the right dog. In every man, there's, a, there's, there's two dogs worn on the inside. There's a good dog and an evil dog. And the only way to make sure which one wins is whichever one you feed the most. And when you feed the evil dog, guess what's going to happen? Sin's going to creep back into your life. And you say, well, I'm, I'm not a bad person, but we feed our egos. And when we're building ourselves up as opposed to building him up, there's the problem, right? Our lives should give glory to God. That's why he created me, so that my life can give glory to him. And I long to do that. And that's why I'm teaching what I'm teaching. Because the scripture tells us over and over how that we can live our lives in a pleasing manner unto God. Amen. God's holy nature does not allow him to commune with the sinful. That does not change the fact that God loves the sinner. Make sense? Just because God can't dwell with it doesn't mean he doesn't love those who are sinning. He just hates the sin. And that's one thing that we, especially as we grow in God, that we always need to understand that I love people, but I hate sin. And sometimes we as human beings, we have a hard time differentiating between sin and the person. Make sense? That's why the church ends up being considered judgmental against others. Why? Because we're judging the sin, but we inevitably end up judging the person. Somehow, we've got to still be able to love them. Now, there's a whole Bible study around that that we could delve into, but we've got to learn how to love them and still hate the sin because it's the love of God that's going to draw them out of the sin and towards him. That's how he got you and me. That's how Jesus did it when he, when he came to this earth and he dwelt among men. He was... He was, he was uh, consistently made fun of. He was consistently um, falsely accused. Why? Because he dwelt, he, he would go to the house of sinners and eat with them. That's the key. That's the key. But we as humans, we don't have what Jesus had, right? And that's why it's imperative. I've said this a hundred times. I'm going to say it again. And I actually had to enact this in my life uh, just a week or so ago. But I want you guys to understand, as a Christian, yes, we want to reach for the lost and we want to bring them in and we want to help them up. But I've taught from the very beginning of this church and, and before we even established this church, as we were in the bank, I, I taught, look, when we're reaching out to people, we don't want to put ourselves in a situation to which we can't control the atmosphere. 
Say, well, that's a little bit controlling. Yeah, it is. Because I know how human I am. Well, we're not God in flesh. Yeah. But. That's right. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not, that's right. We are not Jesus. We are not God in the flesh, okay? We have the spirit that he had in him living on the inside of us. We, Jesus saw and was tempted in all points like we are. So every temptation that you have felt, every temptation I've ever felt, Jesus felt those temptations, and he was able to overcome those temptations without sin. That's it. No, we don't have his, we're not God. <laughs> that's the key. We're, we're not God. And that, that's the key we got to understand. Jesus was God in the flesh. He had all power over all of those things. Now, his flesh at any moment could have given in to it. But he had been nurtured as he was growing up. That spirit that indwelt him so richly because it was God in the flesh allowed him. Oh, goodness. We're going to get sidetracked here this morning, but that's all right. But think about it. We have the same ability that Jesus had to overcome sin through his spirit if we will surrender ourselves to him. That's why it's important that we get the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. Yes, there's, there's one, there's... Oh. Let me cover one thing at a time. So, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't agree with the thing that you can't do the spirit. You can't do the healing because he said, "Greater than these things shall you do." So we have the ability to do what Jesus did. Here's the key. Here's the key, and and this is this is. Well, yeah, that's exactly what he's saying. What, what I'm trying to get across is the difference between Jesus is he was fully God and fully man, all right? We are man, and we are seeking after his spirit to be inside of us fully all the time. Now, think about this. All the things you said are key, fasting, prayer, Bible reading, consistent 
pursuit of God is, is imperative in our life. If we don't do that, if we don't do that, and we indulge in the, the acts of the flesh, let's just say if we indulge in things that, that we know aren't holy, things that are damaging to the temple that God gave us. Our bodies are the temple of the living God. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you have him living on the inside. This is his house now. We need to take care of his house. That's why, that's why we shouldn't go out there and, and, and be boozing it up. We, we shouldn't go out there and be, uh, I know, I know uh, uh, there's, there's a lot of things that we shouldn't be doing, right? Um, and if it's damaging our bodies, we need to stop it. It's that simple. You say, well, well, I, I know the church preaches and teaches against like, like uh, cigarettes and, 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 and all of these different things that, that you inhale smoke into your body that damages your body, causes problems. Alcohol causes problems to your body. It can cause cirrhosis of the liver. It can, it can cause all kinds of problems. But guess what? Being overweight can do the same thing. And my question is, you know, if, if we're going to preach as vehemently about things that aren't good for our body, why, why won't we? Anyways, so you, you get the point. But my, 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 where I'm trying to get to is, if you want to have the same power that Jesus had to overcome sin, you're going to have to spend time every day seeking the face of God. You're going to have to spend time in this word right here. Every day. Often. Not just every once in a while. You with me? All the time. It needs to consume your life. Just like other things consume your life. Let me ask you something. If you, if you know or you have been, I'm, I'm just being I'm trying to use a broad sweep here. If you know of someone or you have been an addict of any kind, right? What happens when, when that thing consumes your life? It destroys you, but... That's all you want to do. You go after it. No matter what it takes, I'm going to get a hold of that because I need that right now. What would happen if we as the people of God began to pursue God with that same kind of passion? That's the key. In fact, there was a family in the Word of God in Acts, in, in Acts, and I can't remember what chapter off the top of my head, but, um, no, I'm sorry, Corinthians. Paul was writing to the church in Corinthians, and he said, hey, this household, this family, they are addicted to the work of God. And I preached a message about being addicted to the things of the Lord. And, and it, is, it is imperative that we do those things. God, whatever it takes, I want more of Without more of him, I'm nothing. That's why I've got to leave the world behind and go after him. Forsaking all else, pursue him. Pick up your cross. How often? Daily. What does that, what does the cross imply? Do you guys know? What does cro the cross signifies? Death. Death of flesh. 
What died upon the cross? Jesus' flesh. What resurrected him? His spirit. His spirit. On the third day, he was resurrected from the, from the dead. And then later Paul tells us that we can have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead on the inside of us. And you know what's beautiful about it? Is we can see things, if you, if you come on Wednesday nights, and I encourage you to, if you come on Wednesday nights, we've been talking about the book of Acts. This week we're going to start talking about the actual message that Peter preached in Acts chapter number 2. But Peter got up and he started preaching. And after he finished preaching, about 3,000 people were filled with the Holy Ghost that day and baptized in Jesus' name. You know what's even funny? You know what would be even more awesome to see? Is, two cha- is one chapter later, or two chapters later, 5,000 more were. That would be awesome. I can't wait to see it. I believe we can see it. If we as a people are passionate enough about God, they weren't, they weren't pulling any punches, folks. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. The next thing you find out, they're out in the street. They're talking in tongues, and God opened the ears of those that were around them, and I believe God began to allow them to hear them talk in tongues in their own languages. And as they were hearing them talk in their own languages, God opened the ears of those folks. Now, here's my opinion, okay, take it for what it's worth, but I believe that those folks were talking in tongues like what you hear around the church. You don't understand what's being said. But that day on the day of Pentecost, those that were there, the Cretes and the Arabians and all those different people that were there that day, they all began to hear them speak because God opened their ears and God allowed them to hear what they were saying in their own native languages. Now to the others... They didn't didn't necessarily have to, because here's why I say that. Because every one of them heard them speak in their own languages simultaneously. And how I read it, and and I've, I've talked to a few different preachers about this just to make sure I wasn't off in left field, but this is how I feel about it, okay? And with a few others agreeing with me, all right, this is all... my opinion okay I'm, I'm not saying this is Bible but this is how I see it they all heard them speak in their own languages nowhere did it differentiate how that these people were all talking in different tongues but every one of them heard all of them speaking in their own language that makes sense so let's say you're French and she, she, she's Italian, she's Spanish, and she's German, and they're all standing, y'all standing there, but y'all know English, and I'm over here talking in tongues, my wife's over there talking in tongues, we're having a good time in the Holy Ghost, Brother Darren and Sister Celia, they're over here, they're, we're all talking in tongues, having a good time in the Holy Ghost, it hasn't changed for us, we're still saying the same thing, but all of a sudden, You guys are all hearing all four of us talking at the same time in your own language. 
You're hearing us talking in, in Spanish. You're hearing us talking French. You're hearing us talking Italian. You're hearing us talking German. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's okay. She is. That's right. It wasn't like one person was speaking German. One speaker was. It, it, again, it doesn't matter. We, we, we can hash that out all day long. The fact of the matter is, regardless of how it happened, a miracle happened that day. Because God filled these people, 120 people with the Holy Ghost. They didn't know what they were saying. They, they came out of the upper room. They're in the street now. They're proclaiming the goodness of God in tongues. And everybody that's there is hearing them speak in their own language. And they're like, what in the world? We don't understand. How, how can this be? These people are full of new wine. And Peter gets up and he said, wait a minute. At what point in time has wine or intoxicating drink ever been brought order to things? I've always seen chaos. <laughs> I've always seen um, problems arise <laughs> from intoxicating drink. But I've never seen it bring order to things. And Peter used that as his preaching, jumping off place. <laughs> that was his text. Hey, you're asking a question. Let me answer you the question. We're not going to talk about that. If you want to hear that, come Wednesday night. We'll talk about it then. All right. But here, Peter is saying we've got to come out from among them and be separate. How can I be separate? How can I be holy, Sister Rini, if I'm just a man of flesh? <laughs> That's the key. I can't do it. But because of his spirit, I can do a few things. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I can't do it, but God can. He's able to make me holy. Somebody that is unholy. He's taken me. He said, all right, holy. To be holy just simply means to be set apart. And so he, he saw me and he said, all right, I'm going to take you and I'm pulling you out of the midst of the world and I'm going to set you over here for my purpose. You're going to be in my kingdom and you're not going to be the same person you used to be and I need you to seek after me. God's not going to force you to be holy. God's not going to force you to change. God's not going to force you to be happy-go-lucky. But I can promise you this. If you will seek after him, he will give you the ability to be right and to be holy. Because that's who I serve. He's faithful. He's righteous. Amen. The choice for mankind is either separation from God or separation from sin. You can't have both. You cannot be a partaker of sin and of the things of God. That's not my opinion. That's Bible. Jesus said, Matthew 6 and 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. All right, that literal translation is you can't serve God and money and he was saying that because he was talking to a group of people saying that who who idolized money 
Anything that comes between you and God becomes an idol in your life. And it can be anything from you, <laughs> me, the person that looks back at me in the mirror every morning, that can be an idol to me. It can be a sports figure. It can be a sport. It can be, it can be anything that comes between you and God. And if you're willing to do something besides be faithful to him, that is your God. He's not your God. Does that make sense today? 1 Corinthians 10 and 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. You cannot do it. These aren't my words. This is the word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and 17. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We cannot be spotted with the sinful and ungodly things of the world and expect to find acceptance from God. If we want God, let me ask you this. How many of you want to be accepted of God? Being unanimous around here, right? But the only way to do that is to walk away from the sinful and the unholy things. Things that destroy. Things that hurt. I can promise you, I have seen people who have been, their marriages were on the rocks, they were having problems with their, with their children, and all of a sudden they decided that, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow God. I'm going to seek after God for my own self. And Desi, something happened in their house. When mom or dad started following God, guess what? The spouse said, oh, something's different. And then the children are like, oh, wait a minute. They're not as mean as they used to be. They're not as, they don't yell as much as they used to. I know when I need to pray more. One of, my, one of my signs, I'm, I'm being a little too open and honest, but one of my signs for me is my, irritabil my irritability. If I start getting irritable, one of two things needs to happen. I need to go to bed or I need to go pray. I need to, I need to do one of two of those things. But let me tell you something. When I get into those moods, do I want to go to bed? Do I want to go pray? No. My flesh wants to engage. Am I the only one around here? Okay. What would happen if we, if, we, if we would say, okay, all right, God, I recognize now I am irritable. I'm going to step away. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. 
It's, it's not it's not just about our attitudes though right It's 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 in It's exactly right. And and I, I want to try to re reel this back in and get us all back on the same page. It's all right. It's it's uh, it's not just our attitudes, right? This is a good conversation. But we can talk about it all day. But until we go home and we actually put it into action, that's the key. We can say, hey, this would be the best thing to do. That we should we shouldn't do this, we should do this, we shouldn't say such and such. Because all of us are guilty of, of falling into the trap. The thing is, it doesn't just stop with when we're irritable. What happens when temptation comes? I can promise you that the enemy will provide you a way to get whatever you enjoy to do. It'll be there. And all I'm saying is we need to we need to be able to say, all right, I feel good about it. We're talking about it at church. Woohoo, I've got power. I'm going home. I'm going to overcome everything. Great. And then all of a sudden you're all by yourself and temptation comes. And now, and now, now you have to make a decision. Am I giving in or I'm walking away?
Well, God can help. God can help. God can help. You know, Jesus, and I'm going to friends and influence people today. Um, Jesus said that we ought to pray for our enemies. It is in chaos. You know, the, you know we, we, can, we can do our best to change the world, but let me tell you something. Why don't you change your world? Change your world. It works. It works very similar to that. And God, God is faithful. We we need to make sure. There's a few things about prayer, and and we can. And I, that's a whole other lesson that we we're going to delve into. But prayer, in and of itself, is a very powerful tool. Now you need to know how to pray. And I believe that when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he didn't say repeat these words, but he said, hey. When you pray, you should pray like this, right? And he gave us a template, I guess, if you could use that word, not to follow and, and repeat it exactly, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But if you look at his prayer, there's a lot there, and I don't have time today to delve into all of those pieces. But there are a few things I really want to touch on because of some of the things you said is, I believe that we should pray... We should pray. We should pray specific prayers. Why? Because James and Jesus both emphasized the importance of asking. Jesus asked, and ye shall receive. James came by later and he said, You have not. Why? Because you haven't asked. So, Here's the thing, if there's a situation in your life that you need God to intervene in, God has limited himself to your asking. He's not just going to show up and boom, fix the problem. He can do it, but he's limited himself to one thing, and that's your asking. That's what we need to do. God, this is what I want you to do. No, sir. No, sir. It's okay. Oh, absolutely. Now, yeah. It is. It's okay to pray. Yeah, I'm okay with asking. Now, here's the, here's the other key, though. Jesus, in that prayer, in fact, let's just go there. Let's just go there. It's all right. 
Well, you need prayer in order to be holy. So let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about all these pieces. I'm going to tell you in just a minute. Oh, well, that's how it works. That's how it works. That's the goal. I, I did go, I did listen to my father-in-law teaching the other night, and guess what? He actually got through a whole message, and he didn't have to turn it into a series. Yeah? Just, just make sure it's not tongues that you learn, and it's tongues that are given by the Holy Spirit. I'm 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 100% against somebody telling somebody this is what you should say. Now I will tell somebody, hey, God's going to put words in your mind. God's going to put words in your mind, and when those words come, I want you to speak speak those words freely. But I'm not going to put those words in your mind. It's it's anti, it's anti-biblical. Matthew 6 and 9. Now, Jesus says this, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, the first thing that he, Jesus does here is he acknowledges who he's talking to as the Father in heaven. And he says, hallowed, or how precious is your name. So let me ask you a question. When you walk up to your wife, Desi, and you really need something done, and you walk in and say, hey, Get in there and do them dishes. Or if you walk in and say, honey, I love you very much. And then she says, what do you want? Yeah, I tried, I tried both parts. <laughs> I'm just picking. But I, I'm trying to be a little bit funny here. But when you approach your children even, it doesn't have to even necessarily be your, your spouse. But when you, when you praise your kids, don't be... Don't be nonchalant about it. Don't be unsincere about it, right? And don't just do it when you want them to do something. That's why I believe that we ought to praise God often. Even if you're just driving down the road, 
and all of a sudden you're thinking about the goodness of God, it's okay just to say, man, thank you, Jesus. And so here we are. Jesus is saying, this is how you need to pray. He's opening the, pra- he's opening the prayer. I know who you are. I know who I'm talking to. And number two, I want you to know your name is precious. I love you so very much. And then he begins to talk about how that he wants his will to be done. Right here in the earth as it is in heaven. God, I don't want anything else in this world but your will to be accomplished in my life. And then he says this, give us this day our daily bread. This is, he's asking, God, I need, I need sustenance today. Now, there's a lot around that. I'm not going to delve into that right now. But there's a specific reason why I believe he said my daily bread. Because he intends for us to go to the Lord often, every day, and say, God, you're precious. And I want your will to be done today. And I need your sustenance once again. If we live from day to day with God, as opposed to year to year with God, it'd be a different story, wouldn't it? I still need him every day. I still need a refreshing of him every day. Regardless if I drink from the well of life one time or not, I still need, I need to go back to the well and I need to get some more. Every single day. And then he says, forgive us. He's repenting now. And forgive our debt debtors as we forget our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. God, keep me safe. But deliver us from evil. And then at the end, after he he asks for my daily bread, he he asks for he he repents, and then he goes, Lord, keep me. You with me so far? So he said, I know who I'm talking to. You're you're awesome. <laughs> All right. The next thing he says is, uh, Give us this day. Oh no, Thy will be done. I want Your will to be done in my life today. Give me this bread. For today, I'm not asking for tomorrow. I'm not asking for next week. I'm just saying, God, I need enough to make it through today. And then he repents. And then he asks for protection. And then, before he closes it all up, he says, for your kingdom, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. What's he doing there? He's closing it up with, God, you are still all-powerful. And then the last bit, and this is one thing. So there's seven pieces to this, right? That makes a perfect prayer. You, you realize that, right? But that last bit is key. It's one word, but it's a powerful word. And in my mind, I will always say, in Jesus' name, amen. If I don't finish my prayer with amen, I feel like my prayer is still open-ended. You know what you're saying when you say amen? So be it. God, everything that I've asked for, so be it. I'm putting all of my faith in what I just prayed. That's powerful, isn't it? What would happen if we prayed in this fashion every single day? Your life would change. 
In fact, in fact, what if we spent the next seven days from today until next week to come back and you spent all seven days using what we just broke down in your prayer life and we'll have a small little testimony service next Bible study next week and see what prayers did God answer this week if he didn't answer any we'll keep on going we're not going to stop what I'm trying to get at is hey let's start, let's get this in our life on a regular basis we need to pray folks if you're not praying you're not staying just how it goes Eventually, when temptation comes, you're going to fall because you don't have the staying power that only comes through the Holy Ghost and prayer. I've always put it this way. Prayer is the lifeblood that runs through my spiritual man. And if I ever stop praying, that means the heart has stopped pumping and my spiritual man is no longer what he needs to be. If I don't keep pumping blood through the spiritual man, we know what happens to the natural man, right? He's going to die. We're going to have to get revived. That's okay. God can have mercy on us. That shouldn't give you the, uh, uh, the excuse to say, you know, I'm just going to do what I want to do. No, folks, we don't have time. Jesus is coming back soon. You don't believe that, just look at the news every once in a while. There's so much happening today that you can literally read the Bible and say, man, I, wait a minute, just a minute, I'm going to go read the news again. There's, there's not a whole lot of difference in some areas. We do win. As long as we're filled with the Holy Ghost, we win. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Coming back is very close. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm in the tech world. That's what I do for a living. Cash is going to become worthless one day, though. You got to know that. All, all I'm saying, I mean, right now, it's it's not worthless. I mean, you can take cash and you can you can get what you used to get, but 
Okay, heil. Ja. It is, it is, and that's why you, it doesn't matter. So here's the key. You can have a lot of money and not have the love of money. <laughs> it's those that put all their store in the money that are miserable. I agree with that. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. It's, it is an inanimate object. It's all a spiritual thing. And what you put your love and your store in, that's what's going to drive your life. And if it's failing, guess what? Those people that have their hope in their money, they're, they're going to be sorely disappointed, especially with the stock markets like they are today. What's that? We need to be good stewards. Yes. Yeah, we definitely have to be... It, let me tell you something. There's a lot in this Bible that I think people don't realize are, are ab absolute sins. If we're not doing what God's commanded us in the Bible, good, being good stewards of what God's given us, um, the things that, that the Scripture teaches us about how that we ought to uh, conduct our lives. We ought to live soberly. We ought to live righteously. That means we, we live according to the plans and the precepts of the Holy Ghost. But many people want to make up what they think is right and what's wrong. And the problem is the scripture already has done that for us. We need to learn how to obey. Were you here a couple weeks ago when I was talking about the biggest key to everything in, this, in the scripture? It's not necessarily if you know it all in your head. It's what you do with it. And if you're not going to obey, then it does you no good. To study the scripture. You may know it, but you've got to obey it. And that takes faith. We're going to talk about that in a little while. So we'll let, we'll let, uh, we'll let you guys take a quick break and then we're going to, we're going to spend some time praying and let's have, let's have some good church.